Trust your Bibles have been prepared. We're in the book of Amos chapter 8. Amos chapter 8 for the preaching of God's word. And I'll be reading from verse 1 down to verse number 14. Amos chapter 8 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then said the Lord unto me, the end is come upon my people of Israel. I will not again pass by them any more. And the songs of the temple shall be howlings in that day, said the Lord God. There shall be many dead bodies in every place. They shall cast them forth with silence. Hear this, O ye that swallow up the needy, even to make the poor of the land to fail. Saying, when will the new moon be gone, that we may sell corn, and the Sabbath, that we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small, and the shekel great, and falsifying the balances by deceit, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes, yea, and sell the refuse of the wheat. The Lord hath sworn by the excellency of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. Shall not the land tremble for this, and every one mourn that dwelleth therein? And it shall rise up wholly as a flood." And it shall be cast out and drowned as by the flood of Egypt. And it shall come to pass in that day, said the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day. And I will turn your feast into mourning, and all your songs into lamentation. And I will bring up sackcloth upon all loins, and baldness upon every head. And I will make it as the mourning of an holy sun and the end thereof as a bitter day. Behold, the day is come, said the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of the hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall turn, run rather, to, the, to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. In that day shall the fear virgins and young men faint for thirst. They shall swear by the sin of Samaria and say, Thy God, O Dan, liveth, and the manner of Beersheba liveth. Even they shall fall and never rise up again. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. Thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy towards us. Thank you for sacrifice of your son on a rugged cross, the ultimate expression of love. Dear Lord, we are humbled that you would love us in such a way. We are so undeserving, yet you continue to reach out your hand to us and drawing us to yourself. I pray today as you use your word to speak to hearts, that hearts of men, women, boys, and girls everywhere will be drawn to you. Thank you for loving us in spite of who we are. And I ask for your special blessings. I ask for the words you'll have me to say today, that they'll be a source of encouragement 
blessing and challenge as you see fit. Take full control. Save some lost soul here today. And may every believer be challenged to be closer drawn to you. May some backslider be restored to fellowship. Do what only you can do. We ask these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. In the year of 1989, the island of Nevis and surrounding islands in the Leeward Islands were hit with one of the worst hurricanes in our lifetime, Hurricane Hugo. It is on record as a Category 5 hurricane and was the strongest at that time since Hurricane David in 1979. I was a teenager at the time and had never seen or experienced such a powerful and devastating hurricane that would tear off the roofs of houses, demolish houses actually, uproot massive trees, and cause such widespread devastation and destruction. The experience of the howling and terrifying wind, hearing and seeing galvanized, being torn off of houses, and watching roofing material flying thousands of feet in the air, and not knowing whether your family members, your friends, your neighbors, loved ones, and acquaintances were safe. That was quite an unnerving and even traumatic experience. But the aftermath of the hurricane was still another thing to deal with altogether. The vast infrastructural damage to the electrical grid, the down power lines, the down phone lines, impassable streets due to flooding and trees causing obstruction meant that virtually we were cut off from local residents and really, for all intents and purposes, it felt like we were cut off from the outside world. The next several months would force everyone to live on basic and bare necessities. Getting accustomed to candlelight and lamps was difficult, especially for those in my age group. As I remember very clearly, I was in the form in high school, as we were in fifth form, preparing for final exams. But the most essential need was food and water. There was fear that water sources were contaminated due to landslides and clogged. And in the weeks that followed, I can remember battleships coming from the U.S. and elsewhere. They were seen on our shores with water and food and supplies, tarpaulins and building supplies. And at that time, I as well was engaged in the cadet corps. And I remember going around from morning until evening in weeks and days following that hurricane, distributing food from a staging area to households all around the island. And while all of the conveniences of life were absent, you got to the point where you were so grateful for the basic necessities of food and 
water. Food was scarce due to shipping delays, communication limitations, agricultural damage. And I would dare say that at least in my lifetime, that period of time in our history here locally was the closest that I would say that we could say you come collectively to describe it as a time of famine, a shortage of food for a large segment of the population. Famines are never welcomed events. They represent times of great need because we as people, we simply do not like the feeling of being hungry. I hope that no doesn't mean that some of you are hungry this morning. There's a phrase that says, a hungry man or woman is a hungry man or woman. Angry, let me read it again. A hungry man is an angry man. And a hungry woman is a hungry woman. Is an angry woman. <laughs> but in the book of Amos, chapter 8, a different kind of famine is spoken of and prophesied by God. Notice with me verse number 11 and verse number 12. It says, Behold, the days come, said the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. This is quite an unusual famine. But I would submit to all of us here today that this is even a more severe famine than a famine of physical food and water. You see, my friends, being unable to eat food is one thing. But being unable to hear the word of God is a completely different situation. This, my friend, represented severe judgment from the hand of God. Recall with me in Jesus, when Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 was being tempted of the devil, Jesus answered and said unto him in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. My friend, you and I need the word of God for our sustenance. And this morning, I want to preach a message I've entitled, A Famine of the Worst Kind. A Famine of the Worst Kind. And my friend, I know that we would fret. I know that we would be worried. I know that we would be concerned uh, about a famine of food and a famine of water. But my friend, the consequences of this type of famine, a famine of the hearing of the word of God, the consequences of such a famine, they are serious. They are far-reaching. They are, in fact, deadly. And I fear that there is such a famine in our world today as there was in the nation of Israel. I don't want to draw a number of observations from this passage 
that certainly apply to the day and age in which we live. My friend, there is a famine of the hearing of the word of God. And the consequences are deadly. I want you to jot down with me today, if you're taking notes, notice, as there was in the nation of Israel, spoken of by the prophet Amos, and as there is in our current world in which we live today, there is an abundance of deceptive teaching. An abundance of deceptive teaching. Now, while this is so abundantly clear, I want you to notice and jot this down with me, that even though there is an abundance of deceptive or false teaching, prior to that scenario and that reality, notice, as there was in the nation of Israel and there is today, there is an availability of truth. Meaning that truth is available prior to the arise of an abundance of false teaching. Turn with me in your Bibles to Second Peter chapter 1. I don't want you to notice with me what Peter mentions as a concern. Speaking futuristically, but notice what existed prior to what he would point out in chapter number 2. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 12. Peter says, Wherefore, as a representative of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, as his ambassador, as a preacher of the gospel, he says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Though ye know them, and be what? Established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that he may be able after my decease to have those things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a what? More sure word of prophecy. Whereunto he do well that he take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in all time by the will of man, but by holy men, holy men of God, spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In other words, Peter is saying, listen, I am telling you the truth. I was there. I was privy to what Jesus did. I was privy to the voice from heaven. I was a personal eyewitness. And what I'm declaring to you as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is the absolute God-given truth. 
truth was available. Truth was being proclaimed. And God sends his messengers by way of prophets and he has sent them by way of pastors and teachers and my friend irrespective of the abundance of false and deceptive teaching God has always raised up truth bearers and God has always had a remnant of people who would stand up for him there's an availability of truth but notice with me that when there is an availability of truth, you mark it down. As night follows day, there will always be an attack on the truth. Look at how Peter now begins chapter 2 and verse number 1. After declaring categorically, listen, that truth is present. Truth has been proclaimed. Truth is evident. He says, but... There were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. My friend, there will always be an attack against the truth when the truth is present. False teachers are nothing new. The presence of truth will always attract the presence of false teaching. If you did physics in school, you would be acquainted with what's called Newton's third law. How many science students we had in here have in here? How many you enjoyed science? All right, okay, one or two hands. I lost a number of you. But Newton's third law uh, simply says this, and I'll paraphrase a little bit, that, that if there is a force against a particular body, let's call that body A, uh, uh, by, well, rather, body A exerts a force on body B, right? That force is called an action. The force that is receiving the action, body B, is also exerting an opposite force called a reaction on the force that was initiated on it. Now, why am I saying that? When it comes to this illustration, this matter of truth, truth always causes an opposite reaction of falsehood. You say, why is that? It is because, my friend, we are in a spiritual war. It's a fight. It's a fight of right versus wrong, of good versus evil, of truth versus error. Just a few days ago, I was speaking with a gentleman, and as I try to do, I try to engage people in talking about things of the Lord, life, things that matter for time and for eternity. I'm willing to engage individuals. And I just don't do so in a debative and uh, argumentative way. But the gentleman, he said to me, he said, Pastor, 
This thing I have with church and this thing I have with, 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 with religion is that, you know, you, you, you pastors, you're going to have to, y'all have to get y'all message lining up. Too many of y'all are saying something different. One say something over here. One say another thing over here. One say another thing over here. But, but y'all get y'all stories lined up. I said, in response, I said, well, that seems to be an unfair request. Because you have good workmen and bad workmen. You have good doctors. You have bad doctors. You have that which is authentic and you have that which is fake. You have that which is real and that which is done in, pre- in pretense. Listen, uh, uh, every person uh, in a pulpit is not a representative of the holy God. Think with me. Deception is an age-old strategy to lead people astray. If you're in a battle, which we are, understand that the devil is not going to sit idly by and not inject falsehood when there is truth. You think of countries that are at war. Countries that are at war utilize spies and undercover agents to gain an advantage over the enemy. Don't think that Satan does not utilize this same strategy. As it's very effective. You see, my friend, we are living in a day and age where false teaching is on the rise. It is present. It is prevalent seemingly more than ever before. This week, I saw a t-shirt, and it caused my skin to crawl. And the t-shirt said on the front of it, in the beginning, man created God. Such is the nature of the falsehood. Such is the nature of of man's arrogance. To point his finger in the hand of God and say, God, you are a made up philosophy by man. False teaching is on the rise. There is an abundance of deceptive teaching. But notice my friend, uh, as a result of this abundance of deceptive teaching, jot this down. Secondly, there is an abandonment of divine truth. You see, we're here talking about a famine of the worst kind. Notice that this famine is not because truth was always absent. This famine is because that man has, has stuck his finger in the face of God and abandoned the truth that was made available. Notice with me back in the book of Amos. It says... In verse number 11, that there is a famine of what? Of the hearing of the word of the Lord. That says to me that there are individuals who have heard the word, but they have left the truth. In other words, there is a conscious decision not to hear, not to heed what God has said. Now, look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 4. And the apostle Paul, who was 
who was a mentor for his son in the faith, Timothy, gave Timothy advance warning. Said to Timothy, listen, the time is going to come where individuals are not going to take heed to the word of God. And listen, the time has come and is here. And he says to Timothy in chapter 4 and verse number 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time will come when they will what? Not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. In other words, this famine of the hearing of the word of God is a, is a scenario where individuals have heard the word time and time and time again and have made a conscious decision not to take heed to what God is saying. So they've left the truth. There's a famine of the hearing. And my friend, notice with me back in Amos chapter 8, when an individual continues to make a decision and a conscious choice to leave the truth, eventually you will lose the truth. Look back at Amos chapter 8. It says in verse number 12. They shall what? Wander from sea to sea. From the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord. And shall what? Shall not find it. They've lost the truth. There's an attempt to find the truth and cannot. When you lose something, it means that there was a time when you had it realize that? Anything you lose, you had it at a point in time. I'm always losing things. Oh, that's the nature of men, I guess it seems. Thank God we have wives who could help us find it. They lost the truth. Grew up in church. Heard the word of God time and time and time again. But rejected it. And now searching are lost. You see my friends. God's spirit shall not always strive with man. And these are hearts that have now grown cold and hard. My friend I fear for individuals who develop a hardness. A lack of sensitivity. A lack of response to the word of God. Because there was a time when the word of God was available. But no. There is a famine of the hearing of the word of God. That passage that we read during our scripture reading in Romans chapter 1 is very sobering because we don't have time to read all those verses. But if you turn with me to Romans chapter 1, you would notice that there is a clear progression. There is a clear downward spiral that's taking place in Romans chapter 1 where individuals knew the truth 
understood the truth, were exposed to the truth, but made a conscious decision to abandon the truth. Look at verse number 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all godliness and unrighteousness of men who look at with, look at this, hold the truth in unrighteousness. They know the truth, but they're abandoning it intentionally to sin because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. God has revealed what is right, for God hath showed it unto them. But look at verse number 21 for the sake of time. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him, what? Not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish hearts was darkened. Professing, professing themselves to be wise, they became, what? Fools. Changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to what? uncleanness to the lust of their own hearts, to the son of their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie. And worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. It is very dangerous to be exposed to the truth and to reject it. There's an abandonment of divine truth. But notice with me thirdly, this always happens when you abandon truth. There's an absence of discernment of the times. You see, my friend, when you no longer have the light of truth, you find yourself in spiritual blindness. Spiritual darkness, an inability to discern good from evil. Look back at Amos chapter 8 and look, notice what the Bible says. No, this is judgment from God. This is a famine of the hearing of the word of God. Look at what God says in speaking of this judgment of what this result will bring. In verse number 9 he says, and it shall come to pass in that day said the Lord God that I will cause the sun to go down at noon and I will darken the earth in the clear day. This is not talking about physical sunshine and physical light. God is saying as a result of an abandonment of truth when it was exposed, I will now cover your land in darkness. Spiritual blindness. I want to illustrate something this morning as it relates to spiritual blindness because there's something that happens in spiritual blindness that does not happen with physical blindness. I don't want to illustrate this this morning by way of this covering. Kenley, maybe you could help me with this. I don't want to illustrate how a physically blind person or a person who cannot see physically would naturally respond. All right, so let's see if you can put this over on Just need to help me with this. Put this around his, 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 his eyes and uh, make sure you can't see. All right? 
And I want you to observe how a person who is physically incapable of seeing, how they would naturally respond. All right? Okay. All right. Let me, let me guide you here for a minute. All right? Now you go where I tell you. All right? All right. Go up the steps. All right. You're close at the step. Up one. All right? Up. 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 Okay. All right. Walk around on your own. I'm not going to let you fall, but walk around. And this is how a blind person, a person who can't see, is going to respond because they are aware of the fact that they are physically blind. Can't see. So notice with me that he's not going to be running around and walking with confidence because there's an inability to discern what is ahead. That's natural when it comes to physical blindness. Right? He wants to sit, but he has to feel. He has to touch. He has to discern. Uh, if he wants to come down to the edge of the platform, um, no, there's going to be a hesitation. Somebody has to be holding his hand because if he were to slip, it could be chaotic. All right? So there is a hesitation. There is a sense of uncertainty. There is a sense of, let me walk carefully. Let me tread carefully. Let me avoid injury. All right, thank you so much. All right, you can find your seat. But I want you to notice with me, my friends, when it comes to the matter of spiritual blindness, here is what is so devastating. Here is what is so destructive. Here is what is so damaging that when an individual is blind spiritually, the individual somehow seems not to be aware of their spiritual blindness that on the, and rather than responding with hesitation and carefulness and uh, a sense of uncertainty, a spiritually blind person responds with scary boldness. Now look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1 to 8. It is shocking. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. The Bible says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of of God. Now you look at those words. Those words are characteristic of individuals who have abandoned the truth. Who have walked away from what is right. And as a result, they are blind spiritually. Unable to discern what is right and what is wrong. But even in the midst of that perilous state, they are bold and arrogant and pride and doing it with fierceness. 
Wow. It's what we call wrong and strong. Arrogant. And my friend, these are signs that are clear as day that the decisions being made by one in such a state will lead to destruction. It will lead to a train wreck. But the scary thing is the individuals are unable to see that. Such is the judgment that comes upon an individual who abandons clear divine truth. My friend, to be in a place where you are hearing the truth of the word of God week after week, month after month, day after day, year after year is a blessing from God. But my friend, at the same time, why is the blessing from God? My friend, it is a grave responsibility because to whom much is given, much is required. There's an absence of discernment of the times. It is flabbergasting to see even born again believers who make such terrible, destructive decisions for their lives and for their future time and time again. But it happens because of a persistent rejection of the truth of God. Pharaoh, when he was approached by Moses time and time again to let God's people go because he continually hardened his heart the Bible says eventually God hardened his heart that was a response of judgment for his response to God's command there's an absence of discernment of the times And notice finally, when these things take place and take hold in a life, one is assured destruction of themselves. Back in Amos chapter 8, notice, notice how that chapter ends. Look at verse number 10 and then 13 and 14. It says, I will turn your feast into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. And I will bring up sackcloth upon all loins and baldness upon every head. And I will make it as the morning of an only son and the end thereof as a bitter day. Verse 13, in that, fear day, in that day shall the fear of virgins and young men faint for thirst. And they that swear by the sin of Samaria and say, thy God, O Dan, liveth. And the manner of Bersheba liveth, even they shall fall and never rise up again. Imagine in the middle of a famine, the individuals are still appealing to their false gods, their dead gods, rather than the one true living God. My friend, a famine of the hearing of the word of God always leads to destruction. Mark it down. God 
honors his word. Romans chapter 1 and verse 32. The Bible says God gave them up to vile affection. And he ends this chapter in Romans chapter 1 says, who knowing the judgment of God, understand who God is, that they which do such things are worthy of death. You see the arrogance? Isn't this where we are in this current world? Individuals who know the truth, who know that there is a God, shake their finger in the hand of a holy God, know that such things are worthy of death, but look at the path of destruction. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. You talk about a pathway to destruction. You talk about a pathway to damnation. God is a merciful God. But it's a point at which God says, enough is enough. There's such a story, I'll close with this in 1 Samuel chapter 2, where God speaking to Eli who had been given opportunities time and time again to get his household right, to get his sons doing what is right. And look at what God said to Eli after he continually rejected the word of the Lord. Verse number 27, Then there came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, did I plainly appear unto thy house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I choose him out all the tribes of Israel to be my priest? To offer up on mine altar to burn incense? To wear an ephod before me? Did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore, look at this, kick ye at my sacrifice and at my offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of, my, of Israel, my people. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and thy house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house that there shall not be an old man in thine house. And thou shalt see an enemy in my habitation in all the wealth which God shall give Israel and there shall not be an old man in the, thine house forever. My friend, God takes his word seriously. You see, God's word represents him. So a rejection of the word of God is a rejection of God himself. And God says when that continues without fail there eventually will be a famine of the hearing of the word of God. You shall seek it and not find it. That's a place of terrible judgment. And I say to all of us here today Whatever God is saying to you, 
to it. We don't like to be hungry physically. We need physical food to survive. But we need the word of God. It's spiritual food to survive for our marriages, for our homes, for our schools, for our church, for our churches, for our society, for our nation. Let it be that our response to the word of God causes God to pour out his blessing on us like rain. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. May God help us. And may this famine that exists give way to showers of blessings. Blessings that not only are amounted to physical things, food and shelter and clothing and a good life, but to spiritual blessings of God working in hearts and accomplishing his will to see people saved, to see people baptized, to see people added to the local church, to be engaged in his kingdom building effort. My friend, God has abundance of spiritual blessings to pour out. And you know the good news? God says, I can throw in the physical easily. That's, that's nothing for me to do. But let me get a hold of your heart. Let me get a hold of you and watch you. Watch me do something amazing in your life. And I trust that it's the prayer of all of our hearts that whatever famine exists, whether it's individual or whether it's collective, that it will be ended by a shower and showers of spiritual rain that are representative of hearts that are willing to turn to God.